0: And now I'm just imagining him showing up at this little old grandma's house, ripping up the house and being like, how dare you? Welcome to hell. It's time. It's time for the Bay Movies, guys. Welcome to our first anniversary special with the 2007 Transformers film. Shall we talk about giant robots? Yeah, let's talk about giant robots, though we may be very unhappy by the end of this. So first, an info dump or what is most likely a refresher for the majority of you folks, but, uh, the live-action Transformers movie was directed by Michael Bay and, uh, starred Shia LaBeouf. The movie did incredibly well at the box office and introduced a lot of people to the franchise. And, um, these people may have been unaware of it before or hadn't seen it prior, but it was an introduction at least for most. Which is probably the most positive thing that we can say about this movie. The movie franchise is likely the main reason we got the Transformers Prime TV series and even brought more readers to the first IDW comic run, which maybe wasn't super great at the time the movie came out but got way better. <laughs> yeah I mean the IDW also had comics based on the movie in addition to the main IDW one. I haven't read those yet, but yeah. I don't think we've uh, made our disdain for this movie a secret, but just in case, neither of us enjoy this movie. Like at all. So if you personally like this movie, this episode may not be for you. Um, We're sorry, guys. (laughs) We are, actually, because I know there are people out there who like it. We're not those people, but we will be back for a normal G1 shtick later so uh please join us then. That isn't to say that there hasn't been excellent fan fiction based off of it Fan this. fiction, fan art, oh mm-hmm. my god there there was this one I saw the other day where somebody did like a Transformers animated of uh Last Night Megatron Ooh. and I was like I legitimately like that! Good job you! There is some excellent fan work based on these movies. Yeah like just hands down but um well down to brass tacks, specs. What was your first experience with this movie like? Hmm. Oh, let's go back in time, shall we? <laughs> so, I didn't see it in theaters. Um, my first experience with this movie was getting it for my birthday. Yay. <laughs> Yay. I watched it, and, um... And was like, okay, that was a thing. It exists. A um, bumblebee peed on a guy. And I watched this with my parents. I'll have you know. <laughs> it, it it's way funnier when you know her parents who are extremely Catholic and her mother who's extremely Irish Catholic. And imagining them watching this movie with her is hysterical. My mom doesn't like sci-fi to begin yeah, with. Right, and then all of this happening. <laughs> yeah, my, my dad probably enjoyed it more because he likes explosions and stuff. <laughs> He's a nice guy, but he has this, he, he, he is a simple man. He has simple criteria for the things he enjoys, and I can respect that. He actually really likes Terry Pratchett, but oh, yes. let's, let's get back to this. <laughs> um, I don't think I uh, re-watched it for a while because uh, high school was happening and I had better things to be doing, you know, like reading fanfic or doing homework. Homework was more enjoyable than this. (laughs) So I found the movie mostly just disappointing. While it did breathe new life into the fandom, it seemed like most of the pre-existing fans that I, you know, knew or followed or was aware of were disappointed by the designs and the story on the, like, specifically on the forum that I was frequenting at the time. Other people loved it. And, I mean, it did create a new influx of fans. So that's a positive thing. I was also super annoyed by the lack of RC because there was a, a decent toy of her, and I own it. It's the only Bayverse toy I own. And then they had RC and two other characters that shared the same mold show up in the second movie and then die. And and these were not the same mold as the toy shams. Yes. To make this even weirder, like RC did have a design apparently. Yes, she was a nice motorcycle. She had legs in the first. the first movie toy and then uh, then she was a unicycle thing Mm -hmm. in the second movie and then they all died (laughs) and i don't own any other toys from uh from the babers franchise so let's go over to you (laughs) so to my memory i first saw this in high school i want to say it may have actually been something they showed at school in direct contrast to specs i went to public school in a rural area no one gave a shit. So, I, I saw the second one in theaters, but I legitimately do not remember where I saw the first one. Uh, for the record, I thought it was fine. I had zero reference beyond a foggy memory of Beast Machines, not even Beast Wars guys, Beast Machines, and hadn't seen G1 at all. I very vaguely knew who Optimus Prime was and pretty much nobody else. No. It would take over a decade before this film franchise filled me with seething rage. And you didn't even get into the fandom when I tried interesting you in it. You got into it by yourself. <laughs> oh, she tried. She tried in college, which is why I was like, "Hey, I want to watch Beast Wars." It was like not looking where I was going and walking off a cliff. <laughs> it me much, and then I just threw. She
1: TV just, shows like at threw you.
0: DVDs down the cliff at me. <laughs> And comics. Which, I mean, I didn't really mind, but I love that description so much. (laughs) But, uh, all of this aside, I will be saying my media recommendation for the day here instead of at the end. I strongly recommend watching Lindsay Ellis' The Whole Plate, which is a series about film studies through the lens of Transformers. Not only is it excellent at breaking these movies down in the context of film and film theory, but it's informative and done by someone else who clearly loves Transformers. Pretty sure her favorite is Starscream, but I also think I saw a wheeljack in the background of one of her videos, but do not quote me on that. Uh, It is at least partially Doodle-Edsy I started watching G1, uh, the other YouTube culprit I'll likely recommend in a different video. (laughs) But needless to say, she certainly didn't hurt. I'd been watching her Whole Plate series since 2017, so over a year before I made that so fateful decision to borrow Beast Wars. (laughs) This recommendation also comes with a caveat. Because I've watched her videos I know I've been heavily influenced by them and it is likely I will talk about some of the same points that she's made while we're going through this movie. So just if if this is me um, so this is me giving you my citation for uh, my work, essentially. Go watch Lindsay Ellis' videos. They're fantastic. <laughs> and I suppose, too, to counterpoint, I haven't seen any of her videos, so anything that I talk about that ends up accidentally being something that comes up in any the of her videos only, is I, an accident. I think I showed you the the Megan Fox video. You might have, but at this point it's been so long ago that I probably don't remember. Or I certainly don't. <clears throat> anyway go, go, uh, watch her because she's interesting. I, I feel like there's, I've seen posts that, like, seems like at least some people don't like her, so I don't know what's going on there, and I don't really want to find out. <laughs> so if it's not your thing, it's not your thing, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Well, ready for the movie? Say it isn't so, but yes. yes <laughs> Here we go. We open with some opening narration by Optimus Prime, played by Peter Cullen of Optimus Prime. But well, I was gonna say of the days of old. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fair. Hey, hey. And I don't, I don't care if he mostly did cartoon voiceover work. He is too good for this fucking movie. He is. He gives us the backstory for Cybertron and the Autobot Decepticon War, and I think you see someone spearing someone else with something in this it wouldn't shock me something called the allspark is super important and they sent it off planet to keep the decepticons from getting it the Autobots couldn't keep track of it either they did not think this through of course it landed on an unknown planet (laughs) megatron apparently followed the allspark but To Skyfire and got frozen in the Arctic, where he was found by a team of explorers led by Captain Archibald Whitwicky. Doesn't that just sound like a manly man? Yes! (laughs) The part of Skyfire will be played by Megatron in this movie. Make sure to properly chill your deceptical warlord for at least a couple of decades before serving. Don't you mean a couple thousand years? (laughs) (laughs) Shush! Meanwhile, Skyfire is not appearing in this picture. Also, don't be fooled by the opening, guys. Sure, Optimus may be talking now, but it won't last. It'll be like, what, an hour before we get any more giant robots talking? Probably. <laughs> we cut to the Middle East in the, um, present day. Well, present day ten years ago, anyway. It's soldiers doing transportation stuff on a military base. And the guy wants to eat alligators. Fuck yeah, America, am I right? It's cuisine. The military partially funded these movies, if anybody was unaware. This really helped explain their presence in the movie series. That invades huge fucking boner for them. The soldiers here are some of the better characters in the movie. They're funny, they work well off each other, and, you know, (gasps) feel like they have friends. What a concept. An unknown helicopter lands off the base, Transforming into a giant robot and starting to destroy said base. The Decepticons apparently won US military codes, or they're trying to find the Allspark's location. Or something. I can't help but think if Soundwave was here, this would have been done so much more competently. Even Soundwave- even movie Soundwave is still competent. Oh, probably. Uh, the Decepticon is Blackout, by the way, who I'm not sure we ever see or hear him talk. Yeah, like, we might hear him talk in Cybertronian at the very end of the movie, like, when it's, like, doing the, all the Decepticons mm. getting ready. Um, Maybe. He yeah. never really is a character. <laughs> um, but I hope you're ready for a shaky cam video of this robot not getting a good look at him. Oh! Flying tanks. How novel. <laughs> they <laughs> fail to fight off the Decepticon, and a small group of soldiers manages to escape the base, but not without being followed by Scorponok. Who is released by, um, Blackout, because apparently he's his pet or something. Something like that. The only thing you need to remember about this is that the main soldier is Lex, and he is leading the group. The other characters have names? I had to look them up. Yeah. They aren't very big characters, unfortunately. It would have been more entertaining if they They were. were. <sighs> and then suddenly, we're out of high school following a teenage boy who's gonna try to hawk his great-great-great-something-grandfather shit in the middle of class. <sighs> Why is he hawking shit? Because he wants to seduce the hottie by getting a car, either that or that is merely a side effect of getting a car that he hopes will happen. Michaela is way too good for him. She is. He blabs on about how his something-grandfather, Captain Archibald Witwicky, was the first man to explore the Arctic. Never mind that there were already people living there. He was the first white idiot to make it up there and not die. Possibly. (laughs) We're introduced to the glasses of plot here. They're not particularly relevant right now, but they will be later. Notice those weird etchings on the lenses? That's, that's the thing. Keep these in mind. (laughs) Put a pin in it. But right now, Sam is talking about selling this stuff on eBay. Ladies, he takes PayPal. The bell rings and the rest of the class leaves as Sam talks to his teacher, proceeding to be a total freaking dumbass by guilting his teacher into giving him a better grade than he deserves because otherwise his dad won't help him buy a car. And remember, this is supposed to be the character we're identifying with. Thanks, I hate it. (sighs) You know, after meeting Sam's dad, his behavior makes a lot more sense. Clearly he gets his dickish behavior from said dad. His dad drives him through a Porsche dealer to make him think he's buying Sam a Porsche, which just kind of seems like a dick move. They proceed to show up at a used car lot with his Sam spying a mysterious Camaro, which is B in this. Like, Bumblebee was actually following them into the car lot. It's yeah, kind of funny, but, but they didn't really see him until he parked in the car lot. Yeah, I guess they uh, had to make him cooler for the 2000s. You know, I always like wagon bugs when i was in high school around this time frame i still do they're adorable they're cute unfortunately they're not sexy enough for a teenage boy in the mid-2000s no but they were sexy enough for a teenage boy in the 80s (laughs) yes but that was when he knew it was his it was friend shaped g1 g1 bumblebee is so friend shaped he is he's friend shaped to everyone except megatron really. No, oh, he's french Deceptic- shaped to Megatron in the comics too. Oh God! Well, are we talking IDW comics? Or I was you were talking, talking about the I was talking about the the plot in IDW. Yeah, <laughs> mostly I just thought it was funny because his design you, is very very similar in that to G One. Yeah, and he, I was like, that's yeah, pretty funny though. Yeah, you're right. He was very friend shaped. He's friend shaped to everybody. <laughs> but in the Marvel comics, he's not friend shaped. Oh to no! The, to the Nobody's friend shaped in Marvel. <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> Uh, B's been following this kid around for a while, and the car salesman clearly has never seen this damn car in his life, but he's still gonna try and sell it. I, I mean, given that it is his car lot, I can't, I'm not sure I can fault him on this decision, really. <laughs> well, it's not honest. <laughs> no. And he's like, I'm honest, whatever. I think he has honesty actually on a sign somewhere. <laughs> I don't know, it's not, it doesn't really matter. And, um, there's also an ostrich here. Why is there an ostrich? He has a petting zoo or something, I don't know. <laughs> he is down to make that dough. Very. Bee also comes with racing stripes. We all know that makes him go faster, Specs. <laughs> <laughs> Amongst other things, Bee contains a bee air freshener that says, Bee-och. A small disco ball and a weird lion bobblehead that I thought was a small taxidermy animal at first. <laughs> I can't tell her so I can walk, watch through either, <laughs> just to make this worse. Yeah. It vanishes, so I gather Spike didn't- god not Spike. No, this isn't Spike and probably better if it was! Yeah. Sam didn't think it was too hot either. Yeah. But uh, this whole bit just feels creepy. Sam's gonna buy Bumblebee, a living, thinking being whose intelligence definitely surpasses his own. And let's compare this to Charlie from the Bumblebee movie, who's trying to rebuild a car by herself with no support from her family, and then there's Sam. And I mean, okay, yeah, she does get Bumblebee basically, basically in a transaction. She does kind of buy him. But when she realizes that he's a person, she treats him like a person. Exactly. And Sam is just this entitled little rich kid living in a nice house and has everything handed to him in Southern California! I don't know what his parents do, but clearly they make good fucking money. I don't know what the hell they do. Me neither. Bea is even parked next to a VW Bug. An old one. Which she will then proceed to wreck. I feel like this is the start to Michael Bay being like, Why do you like that nerdy shit? Come look at boobs, tits, and nice cars. These are the only things that are really important. This will be the hill I die on. I don't understand Michael Bay. If you didn't like this, why did you do it? I know the answer is money. Money. you can at least do it enjoyably! Yeah. Well, money's the root of a lot of stuff. Speaking of, B is very much a dick here. He destroys this guy's entire lot of cars, or at least all her windows, because he emits a supersonic noise and, you know, busts all the windows in an effort to get Sam to buy him, or get the guy to sell him to Sam. For a cheaper price, basically. Yeah. Cutting to the Pentagon, the Secretary of Defense is briefing a team of technicians who will be attempting to. Decode the Decepticon signal they got from Blackout earlier, kind of. One of them is a very intelligent young woman named Maggie, who will proceed to be shot like another piece of tits and ass, like all the pretty women in this movie. Oh, and if you're not young and pretty in this movie series, you're basically just a (sighs) harpy. And after this movie, we will never see her again, which might imply that she has more longevity than Sam. Smart girl. At Sam's house, we're introduced to his mom, his dog and some casual sexism we're not allowed to put girl jewelry on a male dog in this house are we of course not what would the men think that jewelry's awesome and they're totally allowed to wear it yeah actually let's do that that sounds way better <sighs> but don't worry if you think mojo is emasculated or something later movies will have him humping absolutely everything yeah because that's what i want to watch in a movie about giant alien robots admittedly these movies aren't particularly about giant alien robots. No, they're, they're like about Sam's love life and explosions. <laughs> or whatever the human leads love life. Well, that's that's typically how it runs. <sighs> Back to the army guys again. They're still attempting to escape Scorpionok. Except they don't know that Scorpion's following them. No, but they're, like, trying to get away from the base. They're trying to get somewhere where they can contact help, I think. So they're making their way through the desert with this young kid that showed up at the very beginning of the movie and was like, Hi, you're my friends! I'm bringing you something! And he escaped with them. Yep. They decide they need to get their intel back to the Pentagon as soon as possible. And in our other movie, Sam's friend is a moron and Michaela's boyfriend is a dick just a beefier dick than Sam. So infuriating. This should be relatable. I was the weirdo in high school. But no, I still just want to strangle Sam with my bare hands. And well, honestly, Miles, uh, Sam's friend, isn't really a moron. He's just acting like an actual teenage boy. (laughs) He's climbing trees and entering cars through the window. And then in the next scene, when we see that, the door is open. So we like Dived through the door. Continuity is not a thing, Specs. (laughs) (sighs) Sam proceeds to bait Michaela's jock boyfriend to satisfy his own ego, but just barely manages to avoid a knuckle sandwich. Unfortunately. Stead boyfriend then proceeds to treat Michaela like property. He won't even let her ride in the front seat of his truck. She knows significantly more about trucks than you do, you asshole. She could probably. Oh, she could run circles around this asshole. Well, no, I was thinking she could probably, you know, set something up so that his truck killed him. <laughs> there we go. That's the movie. That's the movie Michaela should have been in. Well, I mean, Megan Fox, she is apparently good in Jennifer's Body. Sam boots his friend out of Bumblebee so that he can offer Michaela a ride home. It's shitty to strain your friend like this, dude. It's especially shitty because the car has a back seat and he couldn't shove his friend back there. Yeah. Michaela reluctantly accepts and B has decided to become Sam's wingman apparently. I'm assuming he knows what teenagers do in cars, but really does he actually understand what teenagers do in cars? <laughs> um I'm I'm not sure. To be honest. Uh, they apparently learned English from the internet. <laughs> yeah, you'd think there'd be some porn thrown in there. <laughs> I would assume so. Um, He breaks down, causing Michaela to open his hood and check the engine. And what kills me is that she's saying relevant things throughout the scene, but the way she's shot, she's not treated like a person. She's treated like a... a- object to be viewed, essentially, and it is very frustrating. I know we could assume that it's from Sam's perspective, but boy does this get old. It gets really old. Sam asks her about why she hangs out with her boyfriend. Of course, he phrases it like, strongly hinting that she should hang out with him instead, and Michaela can totally tell that he's doing that, and so she's like, I'm out, and starts walking off. But B suddenly starts working again, so Sam's able to convince her to at least let him finish driving her home. She'd have probably had a better time walking home, let's be real. Probably. Except she might have had really uncomfortable like, issues. It was sunset, and it was night by the time they got home, so I have to ask, how far out of town were they? That's a good point. Um, and Then we get to Sam saying uh, that there's more than meets the eye about Michaela. This is just feel like another... Slapped in the face of the original series. Probably because it is. And on to Air Force One. Frenzy, who's apparently someone's carry-on here, because he's a boombox in this and was actually under someone's seat. <laughs> or, you could choose to imagine him walking onto the plane himself. Just think about this little radio who's got TV time in little legs and walks onto the plane. It's way funnier. Also, did he steal Soundwave's alt? That is a fun thing, so yeah. <laughs> Hello, President, who is obviously Bush, whose face we don't see, but unfortunately we get to see his besocked feet. Who wants a (sighs) ding-dong? Bet you do. Uh, Frenzy attempts to get data from the military database by way of Air Force One, but he's caught while doing this, and so the Secret Service shoots at him. The Secret Service apparently didn't get the 411 on what you don't do on a plane. You don't shoot shit on a plane. You really don't want to do that. It just leaves for a bad time for everyone. Very briefly. Yep. <laughs> very short lives. <laughs> Either that or they're lucky and they manage to make a safe landing, but you don't do want... You really, do you really want to risk that? No. no. you don't want catastrophic decompression on a plane. Yeah, you don't. I mean, who knows? Maybe Air Force One is better built? Once they, uh, basically, they end up taking the plane down uh, in an emergency landing because shots fired or whatever. Then once they bring the plane down, Frenzy is able to sneak off the plane through the uh he goes down like the doors that the wheels go out and then it's just funny. It is. Yeah, he goes over to Barricade after that. Barricade's a police car, he will be more relevant later but uh if you had any doubts that this little thing was frenzy you just need to see that little walk off the plane and you will know <laughs> he's, just, he's got like his hand up yeah like he, his he's face. like trying to be nonchalant like after they thought he was trying to kill the president it is delightful <laughs> mhm and frenzy is smarter than the uh, the secret service on this plane cuz he had like shurikens yeah Once he's in Barricade, he pulls up the eBay listings for Sam's grandpa's glasses and says, we must find ladies man 217. Why did he pick that username? I don't know, but I legitimately find it hilarious every time a Cybertronian has to shout it in this movie. I know he said it in, like, Cybertronian there. It is still great. (laughs) Oh, Sam's ego. But yeah, it is really funny anytime a robot shouts that. (laughs) At Sam's house, B apparently has got places to be, so he just, you know, turns on his own ignition and then drives off by himself. This awakens Sam, who then goes chasing after his own car on his bike. And call he calls the police. Sam calls the police to report that his car is being stolen, going so far as to remind them that his dad is the head of the neighborhood watch. Well, if you needed a- another reminder that Sam is a rich white boy, there you go. Sam finally catches up with B, who's standing some distance away, beaming the bat signal. I mean, the Autobot signal. Some kind of signal into space. Sam starts recording all of this on his shitty flip phone, and thinking that he's going to die, the first words out of his mouth are, Porn's not mine, it's Miles's. Oh yes, that's the last image I'd want to leave my own mother with. (laughs) Talking about your erections. (laughs) Lovely. (laughs) Considering one of the conversations that happens later. It may be more relevant, but I want to imagine, yeah. Moving on. (laughs) Yeah. Sam is then chased by some good doggos who uh, manage to get free of their, uh, basically they weren't very well contained. Yep. But the poor puppies are denied their midnight snacks as Bumblebee bursts in and save him, and you don't really see the dogs go away. They just aren't there anymore. (laughs) And despite thinking his car's alive, he shouts something that they can keep the car and chucks his keys at B. I don't even know what the building they're in even is, because he goes into a building and then suddenly it seems like they're not in a building anymore. And it's what's going on. Yeah. Um, Sam's arrested when the cops show up for making a false 911 call because his car is obviously right there. (laughs) Yep, and it's not like there was any evidence of other people around. Sure. At the Pentagon, with some assholes, including the Secretary of Defense and our Maggie, our pretty lady analyst, Maggie proceeds to sneak into a very high-up meeting, basically to say, THE SYSTEM IS ALIVE! Which is completely insane in any other context, except this movie, where she is technically right, but it still sounds like a pretty insane context. Yeah. Or sounds like pretty insane an idea. She kind of gets kicked out of the meeting. Yeah. But she's right. And she will be vindicated later. And, um, I hate the color balancing in this movie. Everything is so orange and blue. It looks like everyone's skin tone is basically, you know, orange, and, like, they all have really bad spray tans. Or at least all the white people do. None of the black people in this movie really have to deal with looking like an orange. (laughs) They, They may still have orange light on them, but it's not quite the same way. Yeah. And now it's police time! Where we've made Sam do a pee test, and then they hold up a bottle that says Mojo on it, and they're interrogating him about it. Mojo, as previously stated, is his dog, and it is very likely that the bottle would say canine on it, because that's how it worked when I had to pick up medication for my cat from the pharmacy. So they're just being assholes. And I mean, that looks like a legit prescription bottle. Yeah. So, um, I don't think most people keep their illegal drugs in legit prescription bottles. <laughs> I mean, Fair? I have no personal experience, Fair. but... <sighs> and back to the Middle East with these soldier boys. Scorpionock attempts subtlety, only narrowly missing killing Lennox. He does, however, succeed in killing the oblivious glasses guy, or... Maybe he doesn't kill him. Maybe he just badly injures him. I'm pretty sure he's dead because we don't see him for the rest of the movie. Uh If I'm wrong, I apologize. Okay. That's a good point. The soldiers all book it and take shelter in and around these bombed out buildings, which is apparently the young boy's village. They have brought hell down upon this small village, and this will never be addressed. The dad of the kid that's been helping them seems awfully nice, considering they have brought a giant mechanical scorpion to the front door. Yep, that poor man does not deserve any of this shit. Nope. And here's one of the few legitimately funny scenes in this movie. Lennox has to call the Pentagon, which involves Lennox having to go back and forth with the most bored guy in a call center ever, but he also needs a credit card because it's a long-distance call. A really long-distance call. He's able to get that credit card from Epps, one of the soldiers in his squad. And this is all happening while they're in the middle of a firefight, so they're having to yell to be heard and stuff. Epps is also shooting at Scorpionox, so Lennox has to grab the wallet off of Epps. And so their conversation on how to navigate this is effectively something like, It's in my back pocket! Which one? Left cheek! Left cheek! Left cheek! All while firing at Scorpionox, and apparently he's le- uh, Lennox is like, You have, like, 15 pockets! (laughs) Which I feel like is legitimately funny! And I just kind of wish I didn't have to, like, be concerned. Is this racism with the call center guy looking and sounding Indian? And I don't know, because that seems like something Michael Bay would do. Yeah. Yeah. Jets and other military things have apparently been quickly scrambled and show up. Including a military drone, just like what Soundwave turns into in Prime, so I was chuckling. Explosions happen, and miraculously, they don't appear to hit any civilians. Somehow. And then there's more shooting and more explosions. And I get very bored. And they're able to shoot off a part of Skorpenek's tail while the rest of Skorpenek conveniently gets away. They definitely thought this was important. The music swells. Things are happening in slow motion. You should be paying attention to this. Basically, uh, the military guys get rescued, and presumably no one does anything to help repair the damage that they've done to this village. Yeah. We never hear about the young child again. Nope. And back in America, Maggie has stolen intel from the Pentagon, and, uh, shows up on her friend Glenn's doorstep. And she she hides it in her makeup case. Which is pretty clever. Also, he's apparently a master hacker. Yep, he pulls out some bullshit program that basically, uh, you know, pulls It's Alive from the Decepticon uh, audio data Maggie brought over. Which is about the point the feds show up with the SWAT team and arrest them both. (laughs) Yeah. B shows uh, back up at Sam's house, presumably just to fuck with Sam, which at this point really does seem like a B thing to do in this movie. Yeah, he's kind of Sam escapes on his mom's bike. (laughs) Why does his mom have a bike that looks like it belongs to a five-year-old? I mean, look, look, I'm not saying don't do you, because do you, but the fuck? His mom confuses me. Apparently she's just a very girly girl who has a basket that needs to have a pillow in it. Maybe she takes Mojo for bike rides. I would believe that. I could see her doing that, considering that she does put jewelry on him. She makes him a handsome boy. She does. Oh god. So now Sam is running away from his own car like a crazy person and then um uh, runs into Michaela who's out apparently having lunch. a date. Yeah. Well, lunch with her friends. Yeah. She has normal friends and Sam proceeds to look like a crazy person. He thinks his car is chasing him. The fact that he's right doesn't really play into how this looks right now. Cuz yeah, he's he's riding a very pink bike saying his the... car is chasing him. Yeah. He was definitely driving on the sidewalk and probably on people's lawns for parts of this. It was funny. Michaela hops on her scooter because clearly she's like, "I guess I go. I guess I better go help this dumbass." Michaela's just a very nice, responsible person. She's she's kind. Yeah, which she's... is not the like. Yeah, you don't really see her being mean, she's... even to Sam. Even when Sam's being kind of a jerk earlier, she's never outright mean to him. She's done. Very done. But you never really see her being mean to him, with unless he kind of deserved it, like, later. Michaela is a very kind person. And unfortunately, she doesn't- her character just doesn't get the recognition that she deserves. No, doesn't. <sighs> Barricade catches up with Sam. The police slogan on the side of his police car says, or his police car alt mode says, To punish and enslave. What about being undercover, dude? <laughs> well, to be honest, most people don't really pay much attention. True. He dicks with Sam for a bit before transforming into robot mode and yelling, ARE YOU LADIES MAN 217? Really quickly, and it's amazing. Sam runs away and knocks Michaela off her scooter. Sam, you dumbass. You could have really fucking hurt her. You jackass. Pretty much. Here be comes to save the day! Sam proceeds to pull it. come with me if you want to live, to Michaela. which... At this point, considering that he has now uh, conflated her with himself, two of the Decepticons probably is probably true. Yeah. Fair. They have a high-speed chase somewhere in southern California. B gets them somewhere relatively isolated before dumping the two of them out and transforming to fight with barricade. And is this still the middle of the day? I... No, this is at night. It's it, night it now. It keeps kind of swapping. It's weird.
1: How
0: and then long they frenzy ho- I don't know how long this was going on because it was like it looked like it was mid-afternoon and they don't get dumped out till night. Like the sun has set night. My God. I don't know. But Frenzy hops out a barricade and attacks Sam and Michaela. <laughs> Sam manages to lose his goddamn pants in this altercation. Of course he does. Michaela, being the badass that she is, grabs a fucking power tool and attacks Frenzy with it, cutting him into pieces. Michaela kicks ass and she would have been a far better protagonist. My heart weeps that this wasn't actually the reality. <sighs> it's okay, they it kind of did it in the Bumblebee movie. Yeah. Sam shows his bravery by bravely kicking Frenzy's head away. Frenzy, using a second set of legs coming from his head, walks over to Michaela's purse because she dropped it earlier, and then disguises himself as her cell phone. After stabbing her, you know, her real cell phone, presumably to get data from it or something? I would assume, yeah. Otherwise, it's gonna be a very bad disguise. She opens it and it's like, Where are all my goddamn contacts? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair. And then there's some crack about B being Japanese once Sam finally gets his actual introduction to his, you know, not a car. This should be a tongue in cheek reference to the original toys being created by the Japanese company Takara, but given Bay's track record, I really have to wonder. I know I keep bringing that up, but like, parts of this movie feel very uncomfortable to watch and certain racial stereotyping that he does not only in this movie, but even worse, honestly, in the sequels, just makes me feel really uncomfortable. Yeah. They ride off in B, both Sam and Michaela, not wanting to sit in the driver's seat because B is driving, and that wouldn't be polite somehow. I'm not even going to comment on what I'm actually thinking. Sam tries to pull off a slick move, telling Michaela she should sit in his lap because there's only one other seatbelt. That's bad. If you're in an accident, you're both going to die, though, I mean, considering they're in a giant alien robot. I mean, their driver is a sentient alien robot who's used to being a car, so hopefully that doesn't happen, right? Mostly, I'm just imagining that the uh, giant alien robot car isn't going to have the same sort of, you know, oh, safety, safety test, <laughs> 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 safety test <laughs> results as an actual car. That's fair. <laughs> So who the hell knows how this would work? (laughs) B takes offense at being called a piece of shit Camaro. Leading to him dumping them out, driving off without a driver, and then driving past a very conveniently placed newer yellow and black Camaro with the exact paint job he wants. Because Michael Bay cares about very few things in this movie. Tits! And you! Yes, you! Driving a nice shiny car because you are a man. A real (laughs) sex-having man. (laughs) Or at least that's what he's assuming. Oh, and the way Bumblebee scans this car is kind of ridiculous because he's, he's up on two wheels driving yeah, like, like half on his side, so he has to scan it with something on, like, the bottom of his car mode? Yeah, on his undercarriage, and it's weird. It's and it's silly. just like, yeah, nobody saw this. Sure. Like, they're driving in a tunnel. There were definitely other people around. Cause there people, definitely were! Because people honked at them. People honked at them when Bumblebee dropped them off. But Yeah let's go. B picks them up and they're like, oh wow, you could have done this anytime. And then B proceeds to take them trespassing so they can meet new people. Where even are they? I don't know. I don't think anyone knows. Valid point. Who knows? Maybe they're in Oregon now. <laughs> yes, they drove north. Very far north. <laughs> they could have if they were driving all day. I don't know. Either that or they were going around in goddamn circles. I'm willing to bet that, actually. <laughs> and finally, we're going to get more robots as um, meteorites rain down. These robots being our Autobots. Who will still not improve this movie enough to matter. Which is so depressing. It really is! <laughs> Michaela and Sam hold hands because as a movie logic dictates, if you have a man and a woman who spend more than a few minutes uh, with one another, they will be in love by the end of it. Who cares? The Autobots seriously fuck some shit up when they land on Earth. Oh, they do. And not a single fuck was given because they seriously have no idea what the fuck's going on. A bunch of people are running around at several of the crash sites recording things, too. hmm They're recording stuff and probably putting it on YouTube or I whatever. The in-universe equivalent of YouTube. Which I think is just YouTube based on a sequel, but don't quote me on that. Who knows? We even see Ratchet's weird ambulance mode in the background of some of these shots. So we can see where and when he scanned it. Apparently, according to the TF wiki, this is supposed to be a Hummer H2 rescue vehicle, so not even technically an ambulance. And then we see Jazz at a Cadillac dealership. Isn't he supposed to be a Porsche? Yep. I mean, why start being accurate with their alts now, right? Well, I'm going to assume that Cadillac paid for this product placement. (laughs) Yeah. Whereas Porsche probably didn't give a shit. And Porsche was already in there, so they did pay money, but the Cadillacs probably paid more. Probably. I don't know. He's, yeah, he's not even a Cadillac. Jazz is a Pontiac Solstice, why are we even at a Cadillac dealership? Money. (laughs) Ironhide, however, is a huge fucking truck now. A GMC Topkick. He also apparently, uh, a little girl mistakes him for the tooth fairy. It's pretty cute, actually. I gotta give him that. Yep. Optimus lands and scans a conveniently placed semi. It kills me that they copy the paint jobs. I think I'd prefer if the paint jobs were something that were, like, inherent to them, to their biology. But no, there's another truck out there with blue paint and orange or red flames on the side. Are you shitting me? Or on the front. (laughs) It's likelier than you think. Does this mean that there is another cop car out there with "punish" and Enslave on the side, or it was this some civilian's idea of a cop cosplay? Well, we do see little details change, like the Autobot signals on Ratchet's paint job, so maybe that was a small enough detail to be changed. The only reason we even know the semi-truck's paint job is because we saw it drive by. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Autobots uh, show up in an alley where they meet up with uh, B, Sam, and Michaela. Optimus transforms. He's a Kenworth W900 truck in the live action series, which looks somewhat different from his design from the cartoon, which was based on a Freightliner WFT 8664T. To make this more confusing, they used an entirely different model while filming, but we're going with uh, Hasbro's official answer here. Namely, the Freightliner was a cab over truck and the Kenworth isn't. It's- a more traditional semi that you see stateside, anyway. He introduces the rest of the bots, and their robot modes are also terrible. Jazz apparently learned to speak from the internet and knows the lingo. Well, presumably they all did, but I think Jazz is the one who actually paid attention. Yeah. Ironhide, our weapons expert. I'll blow shit up! <laughs> and welcome to one of our least favorite lines ever, and it's Ratchet's introduction, no less. And I quote, the boy's pheromone levels suggest he wants to mate with the female. Aww. I'd like to remind you all that Ratchet is, uh, Spex's favorite D1 character. So this is particularly... <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> Not like my faves really are handled any better, to be fair. Except maybe Soundwave. We've also got to make it clear that he can't fix B. So Ratchet zaps him with something or whatever. They just need Powerfly to fix him, obviously! His magical ray appealing. Yeah. That'll probably do the trick. Optimus puts on a laser light show to explain the plot to Sam. And I mean the laser light show is cool, but this seems like a really weird, weird place way. to do it. But uh he's Optimus fucking prime. He does what he wants. This is all funnier to listen to once you realize just how young the Bayverse versions of Transformers are compared to their counterparts in any other continuity. Optimus is like 10,000 years old tops compared to the G1 versions where everyone is like millions of years old. I would love to see G1 Max's reaction to this. You're how old? Sparklings? Why are Sparklings in charge? Why are babies fighting? Oh my god, it's the baby war. (laughs) Babies. <laughs> oh god, the fact that there are actually at least a few crossovers that's basically Transformers babies where they basically took the concept of Muppet babies and did it with Transformers. Oh lord. Oh lord. Yeah, Megatron is Meggy. I read those No way back. No. Nope used to believe those exist. I live <laughs> in a world where those don't exist because I haven't seen them yet and I don't have optic permanence. <laughs> Unfortunately, I can introduce you to things that will make you regret oh, this You would, You would. <laughs> I've been in this fandom since like 2002. Like, in this fandom for decades. <laughs> oh, definitely more than a decade at this point. It'll be two decades. As of like three years. <laughs> Optimus continues to explain that Megatron basically destroyed Cybertron. Oh, sure. Blame Megatron for this. Never mind what we learned about Sentinel Prime later. And in any case, it takes two to tango, so... Mm-hmm. It may not have been good if they just rolled over and let Megatron do whatever the hell he wanted, but... I don't really trust this Optimus either, so... Yeah. You know. It's a war. Both sides are going to do a lot of shit. Yep. We get a bit better look at Megatron's design in the flashback, as Optimus continues to explain- um, Thanks, I hate it. Megatron here just looks like a bipedal bag of knives. And that sounds like the world's worst cryptid. Optimus tells Sam, um, that he may be Earth's only hope. Help me, Witwicky, you're my only hope. What a depressing hope. Definitely. So now it's time for the plot glasses, which apparently were imprinted with the coordinates for the Allspark, when Sam's great-granddad whatever found Megatron. I don't understand the mechanism that did this. I don't either. Just roll with it. The movie is. Uh, You know, the Decepticons could have literally just bid on the fucking auction for the glasses. And I refuse to believe that that is not exactly what Soundwave would have done if he was here, because that is a perfectly reasonable plan. Or, you know, literally just sending Frenzy to infiltrate his house. Anything would have been better than what actually happened. Pretty much. But eBay! That would have been been way funnier if Soundwave had done, you know, bidding on eBay. Robot. The robot war is literally a bidding war. Yeah. Unless things would have blown up. Michael Bay would have died from lack of explosions. But I I think that's the price I'm willing to pay. Maggie and Glenn get brought to the uh, Pentagon. Maybe they're in some sort of holding cell yeah, waiting for interrogation. I get. I, I think it's the Pentagon. I'm not actually sure. And then Glenn proceeds to eat all the donuts that were left in um, left there. And they're delicious, delicious-looking donuts. Mm, donut. And now driving through a quiet suburban neighborhood late at night, all of the Autobots. Sam tries to convince the Autobots to stay outside and stay quiet while he goes inside and tries to find glasses. And he's actually, um, reasonably polite and respectful about this, yeah. considering the situation. But the Autobots are super impatient. <sighs> and Sam's dad continues to be an asshole, basically moaning about how he spent all his money on a car for Sam, and now Sam gets home late, and he had to do all of Sam's chores, like the kind person that he is. So instead of, you know, just doing something nice for your kid, you're going to Stand out here, at the screen door, having a dick-measuring contest with your teenage fucking son. Granted, it is pretty fucking hysterical that Optimus and the rest are sneaking around the yard, while Sam is desperately trying to be like, No, Dad, I got this. You don't need to come out here. It's fine! God, if Sam's dad had actually gone outside, how the hell would that have worked? I mean, if he'd had booze or something, or if he'd had... He just looks at the wine glass and walks back inside. I've had too much to drink. I'm going to bed <laughs> <laughs> because all of the Autobot stuff is in the background. Of course, they're stepping on things, knocking things over. The whole works. Why didn't they just stay in car mode? It's a valid question. I really don't think Optimus would be this much of an idiot, and it makes the Autobots all look like assholes who aren't listening to the person who's trying to help them and what he's asking them to do. And then to make it worse, Ironhide pulls out his gun and aims it at Sam's dog. Which is what, the equivalent of pulling out a freaking pistol because a bug landed on you? What the hell, man? Though Ironhide saying a bad mojo after Sam prompts him is pretty funny. And the reason why he pulls out the, the big guns is because Sam's dog pees on him. Yep, but seriously, this is the dumbest plan, guys. Yeah, the Autobots have been waiting all this time, and apparently they can't sit still for five minutes, because they're all, like, giant toddlers. <laughs> Robot babies! <laughs> Transformers babies. I, I am seriously debating finding that and throwing it at you. You just you just want to hurt me. I showed you good stuff. Anyway, Optimus lifts Michaela up into Sam's room, and they both begin rummaging around his room to find the glasses. Sam shoes Michaela away from a certain area in his room, and I'm... Um, that's porn. That's porn stash. <laughs> so I guess that's what he was referring to earlier. Probably. And now all of the Autobots are in car mode, in the backyard. Except they've already done a shitload of damage. Mm-hmm. Except apparently Ratchet isn't in car mode. because he uh, transforms from car mode. Yeah, because he uh, he walks into a transformer, a power transformer. Uh, I'm just not fond of the VA they picked for him here. I know Prime wasn't out yet, but that guy. We need that guy here. I love his Ratchet voice. So when Ratchet walked into the power transformer, he knocked out the power. He fell down and was like, oh, that was a <laughs> kick. That was fun. Because <laughs> apparently getting shocked for Transformers feels all tingly and fun. I <laughs> mean. Uh, and so so at this point, the power is out. Sam's parents think that there's an earthquake because Ratchet fell down and made, you know, shit happen. And then they duck under, well, Sam's dad ducks under a table. His mom is just like, How'd you get over there so fast? <laughs> I do enjoy that they're like, Bring the wine, because if they're gonna die, they're gonna die happy. How <laughs> <laughs> a little sloshed at this they, point. They are. <laughs> and then Sam's parents uh, head upstairs to check on Sam and bang on his door. And we present to you the most awkward conversation ever captured in cinema. Sam's parents are like, Hey, uh, why was your door locked? There aren't, no doors are locked in this house and, uh, decide to assume, uh, masturbation was what was going on. I did not need... I did not need or want to hear his mom call it Sam's special alone time! Said, no. All the no. No, 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 no! Ironhide asks Optimus if he can shoot them. PLEASE! Optimus is like, no. What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then all of the Autobots are trying to avoid being seen, so it's like they're attempting to do Jenga with the house, and they're all scrunched up around and under Sam's window listening in, and it's actually a pretty neat shot. It is pretty funny. Mercifully, Michaela saves us from this insanity by stepping out and introducing herself, so yeah, I think they're just gonna assume they were doing the horizontal mambo, if you know what I mean. His parents apologize that she may have heard their family discussion. Oh, is that what you're calling talking about? Your son's wanking off habits? (sighs) Your son's sex life or lack thereof. Why did you do this to me, movie? And this is where the federal agents come in. Oh, thank God! And we have our main asshole FBI guy—oh, sorry, I mean Sector 7 guy, Agent Simmons. Joy. Sam's parents take issue with all of this, particularly his mom, who's mad that they're messing up their plants. Oh, and at some point, the father looked outside and was like, "Ah, the earthquake destroyed all my shit! <laughs> because he thinks the earthquake did it. And at this point, I think Sam's mom's gonna be really unhappy when she realizes just how much damage the Autobots Yeah, Optimus stepped on her flower bed. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the Sector 7 people want to take Sam away. Personally, I think they can just, you know, have him. Can we follow Michaela for the rest of the movie instead, please? Unfortunately, Michaela gets brought along too. Sam, his parents, and Michaela are shoved in some some cars by the Sector Seven guys. Oh, and the reason that the uh, the Sector Seven people know to take Sam is that they have some sort of a a thing that reads radiation. And, and Sam he s- dropped his cell phone, or the cops still had it, so they now have his cell phone. That's true. And his recording of B and him talking. Yeah. And him saying his car is alive. Yeah. But they also have a thing that like reads the radiation. So Sam and Michaela, unfortunately, are not probably irradiated somehow. Which may or may not give them a very good life expectancy. And oh, Sam's terrible eBay username gets mentioned again. You totally see Michaela roll her eyes at it too. Oh yeah, and they apparently have Sam's phone, as you mentioned, uh, which is how they tracked him down. And when asked about his stolen car, Sam says it came back. Great! Doesn't your car come back when it's stolen specs? No, it's not a boomerang, though I suppose if a thief stole it, they decided it was super shitty, they'd return it. Because I (laughs) feel like they wouldn't even return it, or it just turns up again, like, a block away. I would be more willing to believe that. I think I've seen stuff about that happen, but I don't know. Agent Simmons decides to lord his authority over them by, uh, showing his badge and declaring it a I can do whatever I want and get away with it badge. More like an asshole badge. also starts, uh, to threaten Michaela's dad. Because as previously stated, he is a fucking asshole. It's not even like Michaela's got much to do with any of this to begin with. People with power are just assholes. Pretty much. A lot of the time. And of course, it's, um, prime time to bring up Michaela's criminal record, because fuck you, Simmons. And Sam has the nerve to be horrified when finding out about this. Sam, you jackass. You a privileged, rich, white boy. Yep and then the car is picked up and the uh the roof rip is ripped off by Optimus once they're in a suitably isolated area. Optimus then kneels down to have the entire conversation with agent Simmons and co. He gets mad and tells them to get out of the car. What's left of it, you mean? I mean it probably runs, maybe. <laughs> he took like all the, the entire top half of it all. Yes, but that uh, that's not the part that keeps it from running. I dropped it <laughs> way. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Michaela finally tells Sam off for shitty comments about her criminal record earlier by asking him, when have you ever had to give up anything in your perfect little life? Michaela has a criminal record because she wouldn't rat out her dad. Yeah, which, and depending on how old she is, this should not have really even been legal to begin with. If, yeah. Like, this, like, I'm, I'm assuming this happened sometime between when she was 8 and 12, and it means that somebody chose to basically, prosecute her at a higher age bracket. Yeah. Which is shitty. But that statement, that line is the most accurate description of Sam. Here's a person who comes from privilege, he stumbles upon events that bestow him even more privilege, and he acts entitled, so, so very entitled during it all. Yep. And then we get to the part where Bumblebee pees on Agent Simmons. It's just like uh... Does this mean he's low on those fluids now? Is Ratchet gonna have to top him off later? Well, why is that there? I mean, why does it exist at all, sure, but specifically, why is it where a dick would be on a person? Yeah, why is it framed like that from the perspective of the person being peed on? I don't know, but now that his friends are here, Sam is going to be as douchey as possible because he orders Simmons to remove his pants. And according to his underclothes, or at least his undershirt, Sector 7 sells or has branded clothing items available for their agents. The Autobots leave, but oh no, they were on the phone the whole time. <sighs> Meaning backup arrives shortly thereafter. And the Autobots proceed to hide under a bridge, Optimus carrying Michaela and Sam in his arms. Just putting this out there, but I too would like to be carried in Optimus's big strong arms. Carried in his Gentle, strong hands, though I mean, preferably G One Optimus or one of the other Optimus. Yeah, 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 just not this Optimus. I I want the Optimus from Prime. He seems like a very calm, kind guy to give me a ride on his shoulder. That sounds nice. I'll take G One Optimus. He's uh, he's very dad shaped. He is the most dad shaped. I'd also accept animated Optimus. Yeah, yeah, he seems nice. Maybe Cyberverse. Well, I don't know. He he seems like unsure dad-shaped and I can deal with that. Yeah. And I'll leave out all of the other opti <laughs> Though maybe Optimus Primal might be good for a hug. He would be great for a hug. Unfortunately they're not that much bigger than people so it would not be the same kind of ride in his big strong arms. <laughs> it still sounds nice but more of a piggyback ride. Yeah. And to get away from our uh hugging and carrying uh, discourse. There's just so many explosions happening right now. Sure, don't worry about those roads or infrastructure. This is fine. Oh no, Sam and Michaela almost fell, but don't worry, Optimus has slowed their descent with (laughs) his nice, softer foot. I guess that this is the one thing they kept from G1, huh? (laughs) Yeah, and apparently Cybertronians are weak to ice and electricity now. Except... Didn't Ratchet think that the electricity was nice? I don't know, but Bumblebee used the crap beat out of him by the Sector 7, guys. Oh god, maybe Ratchet's... Oh nope, nope, <laughs> I think I know a wink <laughs> through your head and we're not going to It was disturbing with being on her, okay? <laughs> I'm not sure Drift will be into it, but that's not a point. <laughs> Please stand by. We are having technical difficulties. (laughs) I am under control again. (laughs) Anyway, Bumblebee gets the crap beat out of him by the Sector 7 guys. It's more than a little disturbing. Keep in mind that before this we really only had uh, G1 and Beast Wars as like the main well-known Transformers things. I mean, maybe Beast Machines. Beast Wars, Beast Machines. I I tend to count them together since they're in the same continuity, even though they're different series. But but I know what you mean, sorry. Yeah, it's just, those ones would have been the ones that most that would have stuck out in, like, the main, I don't know, cultural hive mind, probably? Because I don't think, like, any of the animes would have made that much of a dent. Yeah. So, uh, hopefully you enjoy watching your fave character get tortured by the U.S. government. And the way this is framed, because B doesn't have a working voice box, it really comes across that they're, like, taking something from Sam. Not that Sam is worried about his friend. B is just treated like property by both the plot and the framing. And this is in such a stark contrast to the Bumblebee movie, where even though he couldn't talk, even though he was a CG character, he still felt like an actual character. Yeah, in the Bumblebee movie, Bumblebee actually had an emotional arc. When Charlie first sees him, she treats him like a person that needs care and kindness. He, he still couldn't talk. Like, he was immediately showing recognizable and understandable emotions. In body language. Mm-hmm. And then there's Bumblebee in this one where... He can't talk, but he's just an asshole and he's gonna pee on things. And you're my new best friend and I'm gonna keep you safe, you know, just like a fucking guard dog. <sighs> B, story wise, in relation to Sam, is treated more like a pet. And it is weird. Yeah. Simmons catches up with the two of them and B, continuing to be an asshole and taking another pot shot at Michaela as they're being taken away. But they're just gonna ignore the other Autobots in the distance, apparently. Yep, they're still hiding under the bridge. They're all tucked away under that bridge, which is apparently, uh, enough to keep them from being spotted by helicopters. Oh, and apparently the, um, while the Autobots couldn't be bothered about the flowerbeds before, Optimus can see and gently pick up the plot glasses that Sam, uh, well, basically, Sam lost them when they fell and Optimus caught them with his soft foot. Yes. And then army talk, army talk, army talk. Boy, let me tell you just how much I do not care. And then the Secretary of Defense was apparently unaware of Sector 7's existence until now because he didn't need to know about them. You know, copying Independence Day only with him instead of the President. Sector 7 is a special access division of the government created by President Hoover. And at Nellis Air Force Base, Lennox and his team are intercepted before they can head home. Basically, they're told they're going to help with this alien robot crisis. Yep. And the Secretary of Defense is meeting with the Sector 7 guys and intends to bring Maggie with them. This whole scene feels very much like yes and. The Secretary of Defense wants Maggie to be his advisor. But when Glenn asks if he's coming too, and the Secretary of Defense asks who is this, Maggie just responds, he's my advisor. And he just goes with it. Brings Glenn along, too. Glenn's getting the ride of a lifetime. Yep. Yes. And finally, we get some of our separate plot threads to come together as Sam, Michaela, Maggie, Glenn, and the Secretary of Defense are now loaded up in the same helicopter and head to the Hoover Dam. Weren't Maggie and the Secretary of Defense and Glenn in goddamn Washington, D.C.? Yes. D. C. Yeah. <laughs> Kill me now. <gasps> Poor Michaela, she just looks so tired and done with everything. You just know she hasn't slept all night. Honestly, they probably got shoved in a holding cell. Yeah, so and then shoved on a helicopter. Yeah. Here's some more Bumblebee torture before cutting back to the Autobots talking about how they must go on and they can sense that the Allspark is near. What, your bullshit radar? here? Well, maybe they can sense it with their pheromone detectors. Ratchet, what can your robot eye- <laughs> Ratchet, what can your robot nose smell? Frenzy is tiny and up to shenanigans. It's time to break into the Hoover Dam. So just getting back to this because the movie really, really wants to break this home. Sam can't possibly go out with someone with a juvie record. He wouldn't, you know, want to date below his class or marry below his class or god forbid fuck below his class, right? Sam, you asshole. Yep. And boom, we have a Megatron. Thanks, I hate it. Still frozen, presumably unconscious and offline. Sector 7's been keeping him on ice for a while, apparently. Yep. And apparently a good chunk of modern technological advancements since the 30s has been due to humans studying Megatron. Oh god, now I'm just thinking about mechanical television. Did mechanical <laughs> television come from Megatron? Sure, sure. Why not? Why not? Yes, and? Oh, Simmons continues to antagonize the group. who? His... Cool isn't a jackass in this group. Like, look, I don't like Sam, but maybe Simmons is the fucking adult, needs to get his dick out of his hands and stop getting Sam's personal space? It's creepy. Honestly, a lot of the adult men in this movie are just creepy. I yeah. mean, Lennox and Epps and the are... soldiers don't seem to be creepy. Yeah. But I'm still, I'm still yeah, like, else's. his dad is shitty. Like, the, I, I guess Glenn and the Secretary of Defense aren't bad. Yeah, but they don't get a whole lot of screen time, and also one of them's over 60. That's also true. Anyway, it is explained that the Allspark was hidden and that they built the Hoover Dam around it. How did the Native Americans in the area not know about it? Maybe it was underwater? If it was visible, they absolutely would have, but I wouldn't put it past the Army or Sector 7 or whoever to conveniently ignore that fact. But, um, would have been a river before the dam was put in, and... Obviously, Specs, you're forgetting how deep rivers are. The fact that you actually spent time looking. (laughs) I tried and I could not find a straight answer. (laughs) Well, it's not exactly like they were going around doing river measuring in that time period, is it? (laughs) No. I'm so sad I couldn't find a straight answer, though. And, I mean, who knows? Maybe they accidentally made it huge afterward. I do think that would legitimately be funny, as, like, some scientist poked it the wrong way, and now it's like, oops, it just takes up the entire hangar now. Sorry, guys. <laughs> it's like, oh, shit. Oh, shit, I'm glad it didn't crush me. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> the Allspark just has random powers. Frenzy now has a body again. Yeah, Frenzy of... Frenzy was hanging along this entire time in Michaela's bag, I think. Yeah, pretty much. Like, he got out of her bag and sort of crawled into the Hoover Dam. Yeah, and he's able to signal the rest of the Decepticons with Megatron's location, and then we get to see them finally begin to mobilize. And now, an hour and 40 minutes into this movie, we have a star screen. There is no power on heaven or earth that can make me believe that that is his hollow form. Mark my words, I don't care if IDW never gave him a hollow form, but his hollow form would be female, and no one can stop me. And then more on the Allspark's plethora of abilities. Apparently, they can use it to turn random electronics into transformers, which the Autobots would probably consider kind of horrifying because these are babies, and now their babies are dead. Yep. Simmons proceeds to demo this for us by taking Glenn's cell phone and zapping it to life. I will forever be confused for this. Why does it seem like the Allspark always makes stuff that's evil? I mean, it's a baby. I know, but it has red optics. I feel like we have to assume it's a Decepticon. Maybe the Decepticons are the last people who had it and they'd programmed it. (laughs) (laughs) So you're telling me it's stuck on the make-evil setting, got it. It's possible. I don't know how this works. and It's not like we're going to get a demonstration of it later considering what happens. Yeah. Yeah. And... Simmons proceeds to kill this little phone transformer by basically electrocuting the shit out of it. We create life, then we kill it. But we're the good guys, remember? And now, finally, Dorito Scream has been achieved! He's just so triangular. I don't know why Starstream looks like a giant flying Dorito in this, but I find it hilarious. It might be his color scheme. He doesn't really have a color scheme. It's just he's so triangular. But he's also kind of beige. Uh, yeah, you're right, that doesn't really help things. Uh, Frenzy manages to take out the power for Sector 7's facilities. How does a dam lose power, considering it generates power? I don't know, Specs. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, I guess it's possible that he could, like, basically prevent water from going through the dam by freezing something. I think but... he actually just started destroying the mechanic stuff, so, like, the uh-huh. generators and stuff. It's now time to defrost her Decepticon Warlord on high. Frenzy is getting busy in the control room again, blowing all of the shit up. And then all of the scientists in the main bay where Megatron is being held seem like super unfazed by the de-thaw that's starting. You guys need to run. I have zero doubts that Megatron won't kill you out of sheer spice. Yep. Did you know that there was a whole armory of bullshit under the human dam because of... All the soldiers are like, pass the guns! Give me that buffet of guns and ammo! And Lennox is kind of done with Simmons because, uh, yeah, uh, violence is uh, implied. I'm so glad that this movie is all violence, no character development or emotions or feelings. We don't have feelings specs because we are sex-having heterosexual men, hetero men who have sex with women, never mind that G1 is one of the least straight things I've ever seen in my life! To be fair to the soldiers, they did not sign up for this bullshit, and then they got dragged into it, and all they wanted to do was go home. And and look, I would be pretty upset about being shoved into the same room as Agent Simmons. So, yeah, I can't blame them too much. Yeah. They go to retrieve Bumblebee, and Sam's like, stop electrocuting my car! Not even stop electrocuting that guy! Stop electrocuting my car! Of course. And Bumblebee just gives him a look like, dude, I have had the shittiest day. Yep, and poor dude is like super jumpy and paranoid, but I mean, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't be? Uh, yeah, I mean, considering he was tortured all night, he's got every right. I still legitimately don't know what catching bee accomplished. I don't think it accomplished shit, except getting him to this location, which I guess was the plot contrivance. And now we've got the magical size changing cube as Bumblebee touches the all spark and like pokes it a bit, and then suddenly it is like hand sized. For him, even the spark of life cannot shift. Apparently, <laughs> it's from a planet of shapeshifters. Apparently, mass shifting is just what this stupid thing does. Apparently, everybody can just understand B now. This is fine. And oh, B's been talking in like radio and music references this entire time, and I don't think we ever mentioned that. <laughs> You're right. I don't think we did. But he, he he isn't talking normally. He's using recordings. He talks TV. Basically, pretty much. Well, assholes up. This is not where I fell asleep. I'll have you know. He is a lot less. Uh, He's a lot less of a morning person than Skyfire was. <laughs> Skyfire was much more genteel about the entire thing. <laughs> Megatron's a jet in this, so we're you know just so we're all on the same page here. Uh, he meets up with his second in command, dorito San. <laughs> dorito sand. (laughs) Sorry. He meets up with his second-in-command. You know. The Dorito. (laughs) There's some groveling that happens. Megatron tells Starscream he's disappointed in him, and all I can think is he didn't even do anything yet! (laughs) Apparently he couldn't find Megatron, which I guess is what he's disappointed in. I guess? Do you realize I had to listen to him Francois, talk about his his terrible wife for three weeks. Do you realize that? Simmons, the Secretary of Defense, Maggie and Glenn uh, remain behind when everyone else heads out to go do stuff. So while everyone else is going and doing stuff, the the damn crew, that's what I'm going to call them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm here for this. They attempt to contact the Air Force to try and get some, you know, backup for B and Company. They do this by using some very antiquated equipment because the cons have knocked out most communication worldwide, which is not explored in this movie, let alone any. Others. Yeah, because this would be like a thing that should affect everybody. Yes, there goes at least everybody e- in the in the U.S. Yeah. Frankly, I'm kind of well. No, apparently landlines don't work, and I don't understand why. I don't either. But yeah, because this, this would have wiped out. Literally every communication except, apparently, shortwave radio. But apparently, yeah, shortwave radio will still work, which is what they're attempting to use here. They get the brilliant idea to hotwire a computer to transmit a tone through a radio signal. Well, they're trying to hold off frenzy. Who is trying to get into the room that, they're, that they've are that pulled themselves up in? Which, it's a weird, weird room. It is. But now back to how sexy the cars are. Look at the cars, so sexy. Why is everything so orange? I will bemoan the orange because we can't have no girly colors in here conveying emotion. Specs, look at the cars. <sighs> and The Autobots immediately join up with the. It's convoy time. We're gonna roll this truck in convoy. Oh god, that's not the right tune. I even looked it up. Oh, I've got it on my phone. Do you go, we got a little old convoy, it's a beautiful, beautiful sight? Oh, way. The, the USA. USA. That's enough of a music break. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Maggie and company begin to arm themselves with some of the older guns on from the display cases in the room they're stuck in? Oh yeah, I'm sure those will shoot just fine. Where did they even find the ammo? Or Yeah, because why would the ammo be stored with most of the stuff that's on display? I mean, that thing... I mean, like... Having the ammo for interest? I mean, yeah, why would they have ammo or even gunpowder in this room? I don't know, it's dumb. And then it's back to be again. Wow, I just don't care. Even the G1 episodes where they were constantly swapping back and forth between a bunch of different scenes are better than this. Those typically have more things happening in them. Surprisingly, yes. I'd much rather watch Megatron throw shit at Starscream. <laughs> Honestly, that's more cohesive. <laughs> I'm just saying little thing. Okay, so one of the Decepticons, Bone pressure, catches up with the bots, and Optimus transforms into a robot mode to protect the others... He just seems like such an asshole here. They're literally fighting on a highway. There are so many people that must die here. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of amused by how it looks like they're roller skating, but that doesn't exactly take away from the, oh, there's a terrifying robot death match and so many people are dying. Yeah, and, but, but thanks, Bay. I'm so glad that this one kid and his mom survived. Thanks for that. God, so many people probably need therapy in this universe. I would think so. Frenzy's now in the fence. Good boy. You go get him. He, Even if the B-team is definitely the better group. He comes out and falls uh, straight onto a glass case. Uh, That's my boy. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's using a shuriken things. Like he was using a shuriken things before, but now he's been, like, boomerang- boomeranging shit around. And he accidentally beheads himself with his boomerang shuriken, shuriken thingy. That's my boy. <laughs> <laughs> so interestingly to me anyway, it seems like this the movie series uh, kind of made the whole the whole integrated weapon thing for the Transformers more common. I know you saw it a bit in G1, but it seemed kind of inconsistent in either how it worked or what weapons they had. The Ironhide just Ironhide, right? Mm-hmm. Um but, but this made it more consistent. like especially in Prime. You you saw that consistency and thought applied to the weapons, and how that he accessed them throughout the entire series, which was really nice. It was also pretty consistent with Animated, which I think came out around the same time as this movie. Though I don't remember if it was prior to the movie being released or afterward. Well, and I mean, either or, either the movie borrowed from it, or it borrowed from the movie with Megatron kind of being that, thing that advanced tech yeah. for, for humanity, which is kind of weird, but yeah. Or they both borrowed it from the comics and then just made it consistent. Because they do have pretty integrated weaponry in the original Marvel uh, comics. That's true. I, I meant I thought you meant the uh Megatron being the being why we had any technological advancement. Uh, I was no, really no, confused no, for no, no. Sorry. Just the the integrated weaponry. Fair. So animated to that with Megatron's the reason that they have- Yeah, that the, like, New Detroit or Detroit has, like, all this, like, amazing tech. Our convoy enters Mission City and prepares to hold off the Decepticons to prevent them from getting the Allspark. Why did they bring this into a city? I don't know. No one explains their shitty decisions here. It gets weirder because apparently when they were writing or making the movie, they're- they originally had thought to have the climax in the Grand Canyon, which seems like that would make a lot more sense. Like, sure, there's less coverage per se, but way less civilian life in danger. It would have also involved like immense environmental destruction, but that's not something and, they would have just don't see. About. I don't see how that would have been more work than the city. They may have had issues actually getting. Well, no, they could have done it all in green screen, but yeah. anyway we've contacted the air force so the damn team has succeeded uh (laughs) linux and his dudes communicate what they need oh honey that's not the air force that's really not the air force but only Ironhide seems to realize it's actually starscream that's approaching b uses a random well it's got a furby on it so it's the furby delivery truck as cover starscream shoots said truck and sends everyone flying Everyone else is covered in dirt and grime here, and I mean, technically so is Michaela, but she has an almost angelic glow about her when she wakes up in a pile of rubble looking at Sam. Sam also has an angelic glow because remember, he's gonna hit that. Uh-huh. Bumblebee's lost his legs in the last attack, and Bumblebee is basically half a bot. Let's keep that in her back pocket for later, shall we? Yep. Yeah. Michaela, being the badass lady that she is, like, We're gonna move B. We're going to get this done. And proceeds to, uh, break into and hotwire a tow truck to do just that. Go Michaela. B gives the Allspark to Sam and conveys to him that he should go on without him, basically. And then another Decepticon, um, Demolisher, shows up and, uh, Ironhide, Ratchet, and Jazz engage in I think Demolisher's tank? Yeah, I, I, I think that one was Demolisher. I- think this is something that really frustrates me about Sam, though. So much of what of happen- what is happening around him seems rooted in the sense of self-sacrifice, but yet he doesn't ever have to sacrifice anything. Like, the only things that he might theoretically have to sacrifice could be his life. But he never does that. He's never even, like, remotely like, close to doing something like that, except by accident. Exactly. By, like, falling off a building. Yeah, like, it's never, I'm going to, it never feels like I am going to choose to do this thing. Yeah. And then random boob and ass shot from some random lady who's in danger. And I'm not judging her for what she's wearing, but you just know she got put in that outfit and put into that shot for one reason, which was titillation. And I'm like, did you have to? In a movie about giant robots, did you have to? It's only theoretically about giant robots. You know it's about Sam yeah. and his boner. Boner fate. <laughs> <laughs> we are continuing to have technical difficulties. Oh. Megatron lands and you know shouts his own name. Why? Why did he do that? Is he a Pokemon now? Megatron! Megatron! He's got to announce his presence. <laughs> Poor Jazz attacks Megatron, and Megatron grabs him before flying off and landing on top of a building. And then he rips Jazz in two. Poor Jazz will not survive this. Remember what I said earlier about B? Yeah. You've, you brought up a good point prior. Technically, B only lost his legs from the knee down, but I'm just gonna say they are giant fucking robots, and I still don't feel like Jazz should have died here. Also, according to the TF wiki, there was some point during development when Megatron was going to literally, not figuratively, literally, eat other bots' sparks. So if that had been what had happened, Jazz being dead would have made a lot more sense. How in a movie about alien freaking robots does Bay manage to kill the metaphorical black guy first? Why? I don't know why he killed anyone here. We've barely gotten to see the robots at all. Apparently, we have to make, uh make there be some sort of, I don't know, people are dying, this stuff is really real. Except, no. They use the guy who's, basically, Jazz's speech patterns are close, are, I don't know, AAV? American, African American Vernacular, I think? (laughs) It's, he's coded African American because of his speech patterns is probably... How I would know? Yes. the best way to say it, and I'm just super sorry if that's not accurate. Yeah, we we apologize if this is inaccurate to anyone. It isn't our intention. Yeah, but but yeah, like effectively, you, uh, it just it's just literally you you killed the black guy. I know he's not literally a black guy, but but that is how he has been characterized. That's just that's how it feels. Yeah. And back to dumbass McGee, Sam is tasked with taking the Allspark to the top of uh, this building so that they can hand it off to the Air Force. Did they miss the whole Megatron and Starscream had jet all spit? I'm gonna go with yes. Apparently. Or... Okay. Just checking. Everyone is very, very disrespectful. Like, they're fucking disrespectful as fuck to Michaela. And no one gives Sam shit, but Michaela trying to get B out of the way invites comments. Golly, I wonder why. And Optimus finally arrives. What took him so long? He got lost. He fell off a highway and wasn't sure which way everyone else went. And also, with all the you know internet and Wi-Fi and everything knocked out, he didn't have any GPS. <laughs> That's the best excuse. That's the best explanation I've heard. Had Cannon accepted, it's not like he's driven around there before, and I don't think he has Ratchet's nose. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's it. I'm I'm dying. I'm dying. Please hold. We are having technical difficulties. And then Megatron shows up, transforming into robot mode. So I don't hate his alt exactly, but I just can't help but think Prime did this better. Of course, his voice was better too. But what do I know? Sorry, is my salt showing? Seriously though, it's kind of it funny that both damn times they go to make a Transformers movie, they, they get Cullen to do Optimus, but they don't get Welker to do Megatron. Only to have Welker either return to do the character in the TV show or later in the movie series. Although it's kind of funny because they took him out in the movie and had somebody else play Galvatron, and it's the exact opposite in the live action where once Galvatron shows up, Welker is doing him. The irony. (laughs) That is funny. And then Megatron and Optimus fight! Finally! We get some of that homoerotic fighting this series is so known for! He's sitting on Optimus, punching him. Yep. Except a lot of this is done in shaky camp, so... Yeah, so it's still terrible, but at least we're getting sexual tension now. (laughs) (laughs) And Sam is somehow running faster than the robots. How they have a wider stride. Don't know, but it's the return of Dorito scream! And Ironhide tells Sam to run like he wasn't already doing that. Michaela, however, is a stone-cold badass. Her and B enter the fray, with her driving backwards and B doing all the shooting and fighting. I'll drive. You shoot. Indeed. I really feel like they bond here, but we never get to see him be as good friends with her as he is with Sam, which seems really shitty. This scene has ACTUAL FEELINGS! Emotions, characters vibing with each other. Damn it, Michaela's like, I'm scared, but I can help you, and I know you want to help, and I am here for that. Yeah, they're actually working together instead of Sam, who so far has a uh, either been chasing the car or been chased by the car or possibly driving the car, but not actually driving the car, <laughs> like all movie. Yeah, Sam gets up on the roof and uh, manages to set off a flare. But Starscream is right there, so the helicopter gets shot down before they can retrieve the Allspark. God, there is such a body count in this movie, right? But it's fine, because Sam and his penis, I mean, Sam and his (laughs) motor I mean, Sam and his dot-girlfriend survive. Uh, Optimus attempts to reach Sam. And doesn't try to stop the falling helicopter at all. It doesn't have the thing he wants. It's so fucked up. Megatron reaches the roof and demands that Sam hands over the Allspark. Megatron then asks if it's courage or fear that compels him, which I will say, fear, obviously. The man has never known courage in his entire life! Sam is, well, okay, so the entire time this exchange was going on, Sam was, like, holding on to, like, the front or back of this statue that's up on the roof, Mm -hmm. and, uh, basically Sam and I think the statue get knocked off the building, but don't worry, Optimus catches him with his big, soft hands. Obviously. Also, we see Optimus' battle mask, something that was kind of neat, an interesting idea when done well! Like Steak Prime! Or even animated! You can pry this soapbox for my cold dead hands! It's also not bad in Cyberverse, but that's significantly newer. Yeah, well, it would be pulling from the other two. Yeah. And, um, how are people still driving around in this city? It wasn't... well, I mean, there wouldn't... well, okay, I guess... There may be people who haven't gotten the memo about the giant robot war. I just feel like maybe they would have seen the smoke or the explosions and decided driving would be bad, but I don't know. I don't know how well sound travels in this city. Who knows? Optimus and Megatron both hit the street and seem to need a few seconds to shake the fall off, despite Sam being perfectly fucking fine. That makes zero sense. Humans are, uh, special. Like that. <sighs> Optimus tells Sam that if he can't defeat Megatron, then Sam needs to push the Allspark into Optimus' chest to make sure Megs doesn't get it. Like, this is actually something that I think Optimus has said before. Yeah, he he said it to the Autobots earlier. And and Ratchet was like, that might kill you both, dumbass. Only without the dumbass. That's my addition. I know how to write Ratchet talking better than this movie does. Fight me. Optimus just seems kind of suicidal at those points. I mean, so yeah. He does not seem happy. Yeah. I mean, like, look, I can't think anybody would be happy in the middle of war or anything, but at least feel like G1 Optimus probably has moments. Prime Optimus probably at least loves his team to some capacity. Mm-hmm. Animated Optimus loves his team, as for as much as they drive him <laughs> nuts. This Optimus, I don't think there's a single thing, a single spark of joy in this next life. Yeah. And back to the Decepticons, it's blackout time. I kind of like how his rotors look like a cape when he transforms It's cape. They wiggle. They wiggle. I I enjoy the wiggly cape. I do too. And it's (laughs) like helicopter rotors are like that. Yeah, like you kind of see it with blades a little bit in Rescue Bots too. Yeah, he's a wiggly boy. Lennox and company are able to defeat Blackout with some help from the Air Force. Did they kill him with a shot to the crotch? (laughs) That's entirely possible. Because Lennox, I think, ends up taking, I don't know, a thing with. They like, he slides underneath him and shoots him. So I'm like, did she kill him with a shot to the robo dick? Really? Is that the Decepticon's weakness? That's good to know. Optimus, amen! (laughs) Oh, um, and so. Basically, there's apparently a particular type of round that they have to use. That it's like a sabot something or other. That and I don't remember, and I didn't. I didn't yeah. actually write it down because it was not important enough to me. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Starscream takes out a good chunk of the military reinforcements, and so like at one point, one of the soldiers is like, "Friendlies don't fly under building height or whatever." They proceed to fly into building height a few scenes later. Yeah, while Starscream is transforming in and out of jet mode to take them out. Yes, so yeah, there's, god, there's so much mortality going on here, because there's, like, multiple planes going down in uh-huh. the middle of this inner city area. And, like, I will say, we both, com- or I think you commented on, like, it is a, it's a good fight, like, for how Starscream would fight, because yeah. it's sort of constantly shifting back and forth. Yeah, I think he's using good aerial tactics he for is. what he it's is. it's really neat, actually. Yeah. That was pretty cool. From a mortality from a human perspective point, it's horrifying, horrifying, but... <laughs> elsewhere, Megatron and Optimus continue to fight, but Optimus is definitely losing. Yeah, and so Sam's been underfoot, I guess, the entire time? He hasn't been squished. Yeah. Pity. So instead of shoving the cube into Optimus's chest, he shoves it into Megatron's, because apparently Megatron's spark is just out there on display. Somehow? Shit! We don't know what that does! What if he actually gave him immortality or something? Apparently that didn't happen. Because it seems apparently that killed Megatron and, like, destroyed the cube? Blah. <laughs> and now Ironhide is walking around carrying both halves of Jazz's corpse, like babies, in the crook of his arms before handing them over to Optimus. That's not awkward at all! <laughs> And then Sam, Michaela, and B reunite. Exposition by the Secretary of Defense lets us know that the President has ordered the end of Sector 7 and all the Decepticon remains have been dropped into the Lunaris Trench, where the cold and water pressure should keep them entombed. Later at yet another sunset. Um... <laughs> there are so many of those in this movie. Optimus Prime closes out the movie, leaving us with a message of questionable hope and alerting any remaining Autobots that they may come to Earth. We'll see some of them in the next movie. Oh. But this um, is all while Sam and Michaela are getting cotton heavy on top of Bumblebee's windshield. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's a person, guys. Maybe don't make out on top of him, unless this is some sort of really weird three-way. Which, okay, maybe not so weird if they're into that, but I don't think they discussed it. <laughs> all the other Autobots in the background are totally watching, too, so it just sort of feels like extra level of creepy. Yeah. It really does. I'm just shaking my head. That's this movie um, in a nutshell, man. The credits roll as the incredibly soothing tones of Linkin Park. Uh, They they play and they escort us out of this movie. So let Mercy come. Except for Decepticons, because they don't deserve it according to this movie. A few other scenes are cut into the credits. Mm -hmm. Mostly involving Sam's parents. It's really unimportant. We do see Starscream escape into space, though. So what are our conclusions? watching the bumblebee movie and the entirety of transformers prime will get you everything that was pleasant about this movie and be a more enjoyable experience maybe go do that instead the prime designs even seem at least loosely based on some of the live action designs you know some of the elements that i actually liked real talk it introduced some interesting concepts but overall i hated it pretty much the entire time i was watching it specs I would have preferred to see a different movie, perhaps involving some of these characters, but not all of them. Um, Specifically, I would have liked to see something starring Michaela, Maggie, Glenn, and Miles. Miles would have definitely been, like, just, you know, the random straight man who has no idea what the hell is going on, while the other three are hyper—well, they're all hyper-competent at something. And then the soldiers could have been interesting secondary characters, too. But, you know, there were really too many characters in this movie for anyone to have a complete character arc, so it would work better with a smaller cast, maybe just focusing on the first four that I'd mentioned. Either that or having a TV series with the soldiers coming in as liaisons with the military, kind of like Fowler from Prime. Some sort of buddy comedy with the first four, or just a more... Actually, something with more of the tone of Prime as a TV series would have worked well. So, like, what robots would you want to see in that? Uh... I mean, if I was going to keep the Bayverse robots, i just want to see more characterization from them and better writing. But if I could have any character, a G1-based Ratchet, uh, maybe Hot Rod or Bumblebee for, you know, Kid Appeal. If I was going to pick between live-action Bumblebees, I'd go with the Bumblebee Bumblebee. Yeah, he was definitely better. A G1-based Wheeljack, Cyberverse Grimlock. Uh, if it was something that was going to be more light-hearted, maybe the rescue bots, particularly Blades, because I'd like a flight frame in there. Yeah. And so Optimus, even if he's only someone who shows up uh, sometimes... Periodically, yeah. Optimus would be good. If this was going to be a heavier thing, keep the rescue bots off. And, I mean, if we're going... Going back to the favors thing, if we were going to stick with favors Autobots, just give them screen time and character development. And also... Bayverse RC, specifically the design for the toy from the first movie, even if she was Pink. There. But as it stands, the Bayverse Autobots in this movie are just Optimus is impatient, Ironhide really likes his guns, Ratchet is tactless, and Bumblebee is immature. And then Jazz is the only person who seems to actually learn about human social customs in some in some manner. and He doesn't destroy as much shit as everyone else. And Jazz was definitely the best one. He was. And then he- then they killed him. He died. It's like, why did you do that? (sighs) If you're going to have characters, please give them scream time and don't kill them. What a concept. I guess that leaves me to fill out the cons for this cast. Uh, Megatron, obviously. Uh, G1 or Prime? Probably Prime if I had to pick one because I- Again, I feel like the Prime characters lend themselves reasonably well to a more kind of realistic- but, um, Soundwave, probably Prime. Again, I feel like he gets better into this. Uh, he needs some of the cassettes though, which Prime didn't really have, but I definitely want Ravage because I love Ravage. Uh, Knockout because he's fun and snarky. Um, it's not cons without uh, Starscreams, the Starscream, but similar to what you said, I would literally take just fleshing out the cons in the Babers because they had so little screen Screenshine? Screen <laughs> shine? They had so little screen time and just no personality. And it was just depressing. <laughs> the most screen time that we had for any of them would be Blackout at the beginning where he's basically just shooting things. He, he didn't even have any lines. Yeah. And then like in fact so few of them had lines. Like the yeah. one, even the Decepticons most of the time when they talked they talked in Cybertronian. Yeah. Even and it was translated. It was just like on yeah. our way or Megatron has been found. It wasn't even it wasn't character. It was uh. just a statement. Yeah. Like none of them have personality, and that's just so disappointing. It really is. And it's- we have fanfiction recommendations. Yeah, I know we didn't do this with the other specials, but because there is actually fanfic based on the live-action stuff, we kind of thought it was more applicable here. Alright, so the first one is The Princess is in Another Castle by Biblio D. D. It's in the, mo- the Bayverse the continuity, obviously. Uh, rating PG thirteen. It's got it has past slash, so it's not a general fic. Pairings uh, past Michaela Baines and Sam Whitwicky. Um, characters Michaela Baines. And in summary, Michaela Baines is waiting. That's that's the long and short of the summary, guys. <laughs> but it's really good. It's, it, it's basically what did happen to Michaela after her and Sam broke up. And, and it feels like this very good character development thing for her. And it feels it feels good to read. Like, it feels like, yes, this feels like something the character would have done. And it, it really gives her more depth than the movies ever did. More depth than agency? Agency. She has goals that aren't Sam-oriented. Mm-hmm. It's really nice. I really recommend it. I should reread it. It's been a while. I do recommend it. Like, I've read it multiple times because I thought it was really good. Yeah, so the, the rec for it is Michaela and it's a one-shot. And so our next one is would you like to talk about it or would you I'm like I'm gonna to talk it? about it and I'll kind of explain why. I maybe can't give the best in-depth explanation of it. But uh our other fanfic suggestion is Towards Peace. It is by Ariel Bots. The continuity is Bay movies, if they bring in elements of IDW. It's rated T. It is slash But believe me when I say I'm not gonna read this entire list. I'll just tell you kind of the top ones are Megatron Optimus, Megatron Ultra Magnus, Optimus Prime Shockwave, Michaela Baines, Bumblebee, Sam Witwicky, so they actually are a trine in this. Like, they're they're a poly relationship, Mm -hmm. as far as I can tell. Um, Characters, there are so many! I, like, it would have been absurd for me to try to list them all, but... Basically, the Bayverse cast, you get elements of some of the IDW characters thrown in, like Verity. You get some of the Bumblebee characters thrown in, like you actually get Charlie. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're pairing up, essentially, with all the bots that are still on Earth. And it's really it's really great, because I think Charlie gets uh, teamed up with Skyfire. So, like, the, the, the Russian jet, not, like, the Skyfire from G1. Um, oh, the guy from the second movie? Yes! like That's the, the Jetfire. Cra- Jetfire. Thank you. I knew the name wasn't exactly the same, and I kept forgetting. Skyfire actually shows up as a separate character in this, and he's more based off you want and IDW. But, but, yeah, she she sort of is paired up with Jetfire, and, and it's really lovely, and I like it. Except he's not Russian in the second one. He's an SR-71 Blackbird. He has a Russian accent. Oh, I don't okay. know why. Well, I Like, it, it makes more sense when I read it, but... but... Okay. Anyway, in summary... Yeah. At the climax of the Battle of Mission City, the Allspark is pushed into Megatron's chest. And instead of killing him, it does what it was made for. It transforms. After millennia of slow descent into madness brought by programming corruption, the Lord Protector Megatron finds his mind suddenly restored. But the memory of what he's done cannot be washed away. With the war brought to a violent halt, both Autobots and Decepticons must learn to coexist if they want to reunite their civilization and restore their dying world. I like that summary. It's It's good. And obviously, it's because Bayverse, and it took place right after the first movie, so I wanted to recommend it here. Um, it is multi-chapter. It's still ongoing, which is kind of my caveat. Usually, I don't like recommending things unless they're finished. And I actually have a hard time following this one, reading it, partially because I have a hard time telling any of the Bayverse bots part. Like, I think I'm actually going to have an easier time reading it now, now that I have to, like, sit down and fucking dissect the Bayverse movie. So I'm going to be really happy to go back and read it. Um, I think it's pretty safe to assume a bunch of the pairings are like past and stuff because like I I don't I haven't seen Hide nor Hair of Ultra Magnus yet. Um, but but anyway, it's it it is good and like the stuff I read I described it as like having this very kind of sweet pervasive kindness to it and softness to it which is really nice. Uh, it was done as part of um Big Bang I think mm. the Big Bang event. Like I said, they're not finished yet, but I'm interested to see what they do and and I've liked a few of the like characters and relationships particularly kind of with the humans and whatever kind of bot or bots they're kind of closest with like I said with Charlie I'm pretty sure it was uh Jetfire Mm -hmm. I think Verity might have actually been with Barricade don't quote me on that because I could totally be wrong but but I liked it like it was good on that level um and it's just I'm like I haven't finished it yet and I haven't even read the most recent stuff so I'm always a little hesitant to recommend stuff I haven't finished reading so no the grain of salt but I I like what I've read. Oh, I'm gonna have to look at at that because it does sound interesting. It it just, I love that as a concept. God forbid I cannot keep the Babers characters straight to save my life. Uh, Jazz comes back to life though. (laughs) Because Megatron basically starts, like he, he touches Jazz and so Jazz is Better now. <laughs> I got better, <laughs> uh, but but he can also sense where like a lot of the living Cybertronians are. So like that's how they actually they actually go get Skyfire, who is in that? the Arctic in this uh, fanfic. So you know, uh, but but it's good. Uh, oh, Thundercracker and Skywarp are in it, so you have the full you have a full Dorito trine. Oh. <laughs> I like my Doritos in multiple flavors. Thank you very much. <laughs> cool Ranch, and I'm not sure what the hell Skywarp would be. Uh, cheesy. anyway happy holidays everyone and thank you for tuning in it's been a while here and we're excited to keep talking about these ridiculous robots we will be taking a break for the rest of this month in January to enjoy the holidays but we'll be back in February with episode 26 attack of the Autobots oh god the arc's only got two beds and there's about to be problems oh my god they were all roommates (laughs) Wrong, per se. <laughs> <laughs> and that just about wraps it up for us today. Remember to check us out on Tumblr or Pillow as Afterspark Podcast for any additional information, show notes, or links we may have mentioned. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at Afterspark Pod, all one word, and various other locations by searching for Afterspark Podcasts, such as AO3, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and YouTube, just to name a few. Till next time, I'm Specs. And I'm Els. Happy, Happy holidays! Tiddles! <laughs> Welcome to our first anniversary special! With the 2004 Transformers film! That is the wrong year. <laughs> <laughs> We are having technical difficulties. Please stand by. Please hold. We are having technical difficulties.